0: listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam.
1: Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Day 83 and 84. Man, of reading through the Bible together and passing it on through the oral tradition. Love it. Well, we had a tough talk last time. About a little rebellion we refer to as Korah's Rebellion. (laughs) Some of the uh, people of the Kohath tribe got tired Mm -hmm. of holding and handling the holy things, but not being able to see or really touch them. Correct. And as a result, uh, Moses had the Lord firmly establish who will be the priests, that God really does call and ordain people to handle the things of God uh, and speak the words of God. For the atonement of his people. Correct. And so uh, we're at the end of that story, right? So what, what, what are the
0: references today, Matt? All right. So our Old Testament reading for today is Numbers chapter 16, verse 36 through chapter 21, and verse 3. Mm. Yeah. All right. So we had... Uh, Dathan and Abiram from Reuben got swallowed up by the earth. earth. (laughs) Great. So good. And then uh, the Kohaths that were with uh, Korah all got burned up in front of the temple while they were holding incense. The censers. The censers of incense. And and the Lord now picks up in 36. He says to Moses, saying, Tell uh, Aaron's boy, Eleazar... Mm-hmm. To run up and gather all those uh, censors because the fire of the Lord has touched them and they are now holy, and we cannot let anyone else touch them.
1: And so, what's amazing to me though is when the Lord, like, so those men, those were the leaders of the of Korah,
0: right? Mm-hmm. Korah's people. Yeah.
1: Was it two hundred fifty that held the censors? I can't remember. Yeah. Those all those guys were like incinerated. By the glory of God. Yes. So it's not just that they were killed, Killed. they were made holy. Yeah. And they, because they're wrapped up in death, mm-hmm. the death burns up. And right. so there's nothing but ashes. But the censers are holy now to the Lord. So mm-hmm. then he says, gather them up and then hammer them into the altar.
0: Yeah. So that's what was They cute. become, so the, the thing that the Kohats yes. do are they carry these, the altar and the and all that stuff. And they, they were covered by cloth. Mm-hmm. But now God's saying, take those censers, hammer them into a metal covering. And yeah. so now it's going to be a metal covering. And all the Kohaths that have to handle the altar again <laughs> yes. will look at the metal covering of the men that were burned up by the presence of the Lord and could not stand in his presence. I mean, this
1: is better than any kind of mobster movie I've watched. So now the Korah and the Kohaths have to be constantly reminded, this is your job. Mm-hmm. If you try to overwhelm the, the order of God's service, uh, just look to the covering of the altar. Yeah. Now you can see uh, these men were turned into a sacrifice to the Lord.
0: hmm That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So that's that's nuts. And then others, um, there was a plague too, wasn't there? Moses. Well, so
0: then what happens is the rest of the people got scared, get worked up and scared, and they're not understanding what's going on. And so all they hear or know is Moses and Aaron just killed a bunch of their own people, right? Because Moses and Aaron are part of the Kohath's. And so they're like, they just killed 250 guys. I don't
1: think I knew that Moses and Aaron, that's right. Yeah, they're part of the...
0: They're co- that's why they're challenging. Kohathites. Why do you guys? You're Kohath. Okay, yeah. okay. So why are you separate? Because they don't that's They a, don't camp with them. They're separated. Because they're, they're on the east and yeah. the
1: Kohaths are on like the south or
0: something. Yeah, I can't remember. But they... So the rest of the people are like, uh, you guys are going crazy. You just killed 250 of your own guys. <laughs> uh, some families of Reuben, some leaders of Reuben just got swallowed up. And so now they're like freaking out and going full rebellion on Moses and Aaron.
1: Man, this sounds like season five of like one of those shows Sons of Anarchy when Mm -hmm. the motorcycle club goes crazy on itself. Do not watch that show.
0: Yeah, and then the the cloud drops down on Aaron and Moses and says, get away from the congregation. (laughs) I'm going to strike them down. And and I'm going to I'm going to start killing them. Yeah. And then Moses says, Aaron, grab the censer that you were holding. Oh yeah. Run out and get in between God and the congregation and cover them with the smoke of the censer. That's right. To save them from the wrath of God. Moses
1: is like a genius here because Aaron, he's establishing the priesthood. Yes. The guys who do go in are going to be Aaron and his sons. Mm -hmm. So Aaron saves them, makes atonement for them, but the plague had already begun. And And, so Aaron stood between basically the dead and the living. Yeah. And he saved some. So some were saved, but the plague, I think, did it... it,
0: 14,700 people died beyond the 250 that are already dead and beyond the families of...
1: 15,000, rough estimate.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yeah, are now dead in the camp.
1: But that's what happens. So what's funny to us is we hear it, we, we always interpret it through, why would God do that? But the way they're interpreting it is who can get close to God? Mm-hmm. He is a consuming fire. He right. is like the sun. We can't look at him. Who's going to be able to even be around this thing? Right. Which is the right perspective. Right. And um, and so right away, you got to establish... Moses is gonna stand I'm not Moses, Aaron, they're a priest who stand between the living and the dead, you trust them, and when the right person is standing there, it works.
0: Right. When the person called by God is standing there. So who's
1: called by God? Well, that's what chapter 17 answers, right?
0: Right. And so to even further God's point, God's like, grab twelve staffs from all the leaders of all the tribes, yeah, including Aaron's. And he'll be the representative of the tribe of Levi. You write their names on their staves. And then you put them in the presence of the Lord in the tent of meeting? Yeah. Yeah. So it, it seems like they're in the Holy of Holies. So Moses goes, drops all these staves in the Holy of Holies. And he says, God says, Whomever my chosen one is, his staff will bud Yeah, this, and come to life.
1: This story always hits me. And then I easily forget it three days later. But it is... It is great. Aaron's staff, yes. his wooden staff with all the others, his name's written on it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It buds, it blossoms, and then it produces ripe almonds in, in a day. In a night, yeah. And it's not planted. It's not like a gr- It's just in the presence of the, crea- the creative God <laughs> to establish a means for us to get uh-huh. close to him without dying. Mm-hmm. That's the hard thing. We just don't believe. We think right. that we can just climb on Santa Claus's lap Anytime we want, because we wait in line. And God's like, I'm not Santa Claus. I'm a huge force. I'm a bigger force than nature. Mm -hmm. So proceed with caution, and I'm trying to show you guys how to do this properly. And so now, basically, that message is don't mess with God's chosen, ordained,
0: called, minister, priest. and the people's response is very real and good, and they're like... Uh, We are undone. We're going to (laughs) perish. Who can stand before the Lord? Anyone who goes near the Lord dies. Are we all going to perish now?
1: Right. And that's a good question, are we? Because that's the right question. Mm -hmm. And that's actually the question we're all fighting with the momentum of our lives. Like, who can actually live here? We're all dying. And that's what the news is always about. We're all dying. And who can live and we know the answer is those who look to Christ. Right. Those who look to the one in between us and God, chosen to minister God to us. Don't try to be that. I yeah. think you can do it apart from him. Otherwise, we're all going to
0: perish. And so in 18, it's really cool because God reestablishes yeah. and restates the office of the Levites and the priests. And so he even... He's like, okay, I know I've just killed a ton of the Kohaths and all this stuff, but look, I am saying that you are my chosen people and these are the things that you are going to handle. Like, these clans are going to handle these things. The priests are going to handle these things. I'm going to prepare, like, food and stuff like that for you. Like, a tenth of that stuff will always be given to you, to your families, to your daughters. To Like, it's great.
1: God even says the priesthood is a gift to you. Yeah. And... It doesn't a ridiculous example I'm thinking of right now it's like you give somebody a car they don't know how to use it properly and it kills some of them- mm-hmm. and so they're scared of cars right and God's and we're saying no the car was a gift to you
0: mm-hmm.
1: you did not operate it properly correct you shouldn't have laid down in front of it, and had someone else push the gas pedal. Right. That's that's all this is. Yes. (laughs) And so God is even saying, like, it's kind of the nerve to say, the priesthood is a gift to you guys. Don't be scared. Mm -hmm. This is for your good. And then all the things in the tabernacle are set apart, and and he reminds the priesthood to redeem the firstborn. And um, and then he talks about um, this is your inheritance as a priest. Mm -hmm. Like, the priesthood don't have land and don't like he reinstitutes the yeah. priesthood as a gift and the levites are still God's handlers basically
0: yeah and it's cool like he he re-says like they shall bear the iniquity of the people yeah. it's like so the priests are handling the sins of all the people mm-hmm. and of the sins of the levites and they're bringing them up to God and that's who, how God wants it done and he's just saying like this is what they're doing for you so you can i can be among you and not kill you
1: and, and God's word is his word. So it's like, if you tell a kid not to, don't take a potato chip, or else you'll get, you'll have to go to your room. Mm-hmm. The kid takes a potato chip, goes to his room. Like, God, his word means something. So mm-hmm. he says, don't come near the tabernacle. You know, don't do these things, lest you bear the sin and die. Right. And he's reminding them of that. And then he also tells the Levites or the, the priests, you are get to live off the tithes and the mm-hmm. offerings, um, but you also tithe. Yeah. Because that's always a question, you know, uh, at least for a pastor, do I? this is money that's been tithed. Do yeah. I tithe off that? And the answer is yes. Mm-hmm. Because you're taken care of by the people of God. Right. Which is another uh, idea that carries over the New Testament. We take care of the people who stand um, and minister the work of Jesus to us.
0: Okay. Yeah. So now 19 is dealing with a very practical problem of... We now have fifteen thousand dead people in our camp. <laughs> Who can worship now? We're all unclean. Uh, what? Do, how do we handle these bodies and how do we dispose of them? And so, yeah. So, it, like, reading nineteen out of context seems super confusing, and kind of like, what is happening? There's like a red heifer, and there's something yeah. about water, and so basically, the idea—the old red heifer. Yeah. the The idea is they get a. A cow who's like, not been like bred. It's like just kind of like, and they're not normal. They're you not like a... n- normal like an odd brown reddish cow. Yeah, and you're gonna you're gonna burn it down outside of the temple, outside of the normal place. Uh, the priest is gonna handle it, and then you get take the ashes and you put it in the water for cleansing. Cause outside the camp, they had water set apart mm-hmm. for people who were unclean. Ceremonially, just because they touched a dead body, or like, yeah, there's a number uh, of reasons, a number of natural reasons, yeah, good and, reasons. And they would go out and they had this water and they would wash off the water, but the ashes there were then to be mixed with the water and it could have made like some sort of like kind of weak lye, mm-hmm. uh, Cleanity solution, agent. yeah. And so they would go dispose of the bodies and they would wash off with this water of purification to be ceremonial ceremonially clean
1: well i just love that god provides a way to cleanse and restore his people who touch death like we're yes. touching death and then there's water baptism of mm-hmm. course but then um i was also thinking about you wash on the third and seventh, seventh day. day yeah you know what the seventh day it, again this is just me Uh, interacting with the story as we go. It's part of the oral tradition. And when you come up with ideas on your own, you always make sure they don't break some other theological Mm -hmm. truth. This breaks nothing. It is pretty cool, but it's mine. And that is, I wonder if he tells you that you have to be outside the camp for seven days because that's the creation order. So be recreated for seven days, the third day wash and the seventh day wash, the Sabbath. But then I thought the third day was interesting because Jesus was dead for three days. For three days. Yeah. And anyway, three and seven, these things, it's not... My, uh, people bring up numbers like, oh, the numbers and the my- mysterious numbers mean something about the future. And it's like, no, it's actually a pretty common... It's like any story. Mm-hmm. You just look at it and you go, oh, three, seven, eight, forty. 40. Those are all just numbers that are reoccurring.
0: Yeah. And they're just God's order. Yeah, And
1: really, it's just how he orders things. God's not trying to trick us mm-hmm. he's like saying look things are very clear mm-hmm. but i thought that was that was um kind of insightful he, he just provides a way for us and we are constantly surrounded by death mm-hmm. and he provides a way for us to be restored and clean and then we're getting near like the, the story of numbers kind of jumps like there's not a lot those i get the impression that the 38 years was pretty mundane mm-hmm. i mean it was pretty much you're just, just wandering surviving. you're surviving and it's the mundane manna and not a lot happening because all of a sudden we're at Miriam's death and I think it said, did it talk about, 13, are we at 38 years already? Are we already
0: towards the end? Um, yeah, most people would say that chapter 20 is dealing with the last at least couple years, yeah, like year or so of the wandering.
1: So Miriam kind of represents that generation dying. Yes. And then really, so she dies,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and so you, now my mind is going toward understanding that we have a whole new young generation at the oldest. So if you were nineteen, because mm-hmm. they counted everybody twenty, 20 years and up. So, up. Yeah. so if you were nineteen when your parents
0: uh, yeah. got
1: cursed by the whole episode of the spies, you're like fifty-seven or eight. You're almost mm-hmm. sixty.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the oldest we have is sixty, and then everybody else is you know somewhere in between sixty and. Whatever now, 38. Yeah. Um, so it's an interesting. So it's a bunch
0: of kids. It's about, yeah, it's the new generation.
1: But Moses will always see them as like, oh, you're Matt's kid.
0: Yeah, you're the kid. Which
1: is an interesting dynamic um, because that leads into what happens next. I think it leads into what happens next. I oh, think totally. the kids now are repeating the complaining of their parents. They're, yeah, they are. Which is huge rebuke to me as a parent because your kids, they listen to what you complain about and what you are scared of, and I'm sure they, they were supposed to be celebrating Passover every year. I don't know if they started in the wilderness, but you'd think yeah. the first generation would tell their kids about Egypt and how they escaped mm-hmm. and the plagues and have just a myriad of stories within each plague. Like, where mm-hmm. were you when the frogs came? Yeah. Where were you? Yeah, what did yeah. you do during the darkness? What did you do on that first Passover? How did you, what did you see when you walked mm-hmm. through? We were in the front of the group. You know, it'd be so cool. But instead, what they remember is, we're we're at this rock again and we're thirsty and we're thirsty and we're grumbling and we're complaining it's not just parenting it's it's nature nature and nurture here yeah. play out and i think moses looks at these uh these kids cuz he's 120 or something now mm. this is his oh, yeah. second stint in the wilderness for 40 years and he's like you punks Mm-hmm. you know what and he may have even pulled out he probably had a name for him like millennials or something he's like you guys what would they call next generation wilderness people
0: I don't know
1: you know you the wanderers yeah and uh, he just gets mad I think and I think we can see him getting mad here and he goes to God God says I'm gonna provide for the, through this rock um, I'll bring water from the rock out of this rock and so Moses comes back and the the, the thing that gives it to me is here now you rebels yes He's mad.
0: Yeah, so Moses is clearly upset. He's like, really, this again? Like, we're going a new generation, supposed to be better, and yet you're making the same mistakes that your parents made. Uh, I'm old and kind of done, and God says, speak to this rock, but their complaints are always like, "You're doing it wrong, Moses.
1: You let us wrong again." Been there, done that. And, and then, even for Moses, like it didn't really work. That I mean, it fed them last time and mm-hmm. quenched their thirst. But
0: <sighs> I'm over it. And so, so over it. I, Moses, just does I think what he what any kind of person would do out of anger at this point,
1: especially at the kids. The yeah. kids being too loud in the basement again.
0: Yeah, that's and then it. and then he says. And this is where it kind of goes awry. He says, shall we bring water out of this rock? So him and Aaron are standing there, and he's basically pointing at himself and Aaron going, what, are we going to have to bring water from a rock from you now? Are we the only ones who care? Are we the only ones who know what to do? Are we the only ones like, are you guys, you guys...
1: uh, How many times
0: have we saved you? Yeah. And the emphasis is on himself and Aaron and not on God. And he's not giving any credit to God. He's taking the credit for keeping these punks alive. For forty years. And so instead of speaking to the rock that God said, he just he takes his staff and hits it twice. He was supposed to hit it once, right? No, he was supposed to talk to it. Really? Yeah, he was supposed to say
1: Take the staff and assemble the congregation, you and Aaron, your brother, and tell tell the rock before their eyes to yield its water. Yeah. So you shall bring out of the wall. Okay. Yeah, that's in the pivot. You're right. And
0: so he's supposed to talk oh. to it, and he doesn't. He's, I
1: always thought he was supposed to strike it at least once. Was that the first that time? That was the first one. So he is like, here's the magic trick I did the first time. Yeah. And here, I'm going to do it again. And, he, ma- this and I way. think
0: out of anger, he just strikes it twice because he's just, he's angry. Do
1: you he's, think he did it too because it's like me and Aaron? Yeah. Boom, boom. From us.
0: Yeah, and water still comes from the rock. Man, the Lord is good. Because the Lord is still gracious and cares about his people. Yeah. But this is where... God has to go. Discipline. Okay. Not cool. Hey
1: buddy, you a little burned? You a little burned out here?
0: Yeah, so um that was not cool and <laughs> but, you're you're not going to be able to enter into the promised land now.
1: So two things for me. One is um, I just went blank, but one definitely here is because you did not believe in me mm-hmm. jumps out. God's like you didn't you didn't believe in me, but Moses believes in him. Right. For his life. But just right here, because you didn't do it here. You you were angry. You acted or out of Or even
0: believe that I'm going to save these people. Yeah. These rebellious new gens, new Jenners. Man. And I had another thought. It slipped my mind. Oh,
1: man, it had something to do with just the Lord um, being... Uh, I can't remember now. Anyway, it was good. It'll come back in a weird time.
0: <laughs> the, uh, well, I mean, we were talking earlier, and you said something about how... The death of Aaron and Moses. Oh, okay. So, yeah,
1: that's a different thing. But there's some comfort here because it seems really unfair to me. Like, as a result, God has to be um, consistent and He says, You can't go into the promised land.
0: Mm
1: -hmm. That uh, you didn't believe me. You're not going to be the one to do this. And it feels like, Oh, man. Like, that's not cool. Mm -hmm. But I've always wondered about the people who died in the wilderness. Right. The way our minds, our 21st century minds work, were they saved? Because that's Mm -hmm. all we care about. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you saved? And so um, the answer has always been like, I I mean, yes, no, they didn't believe God. And we're supposed to make a choice and believe God. But I think allowing um, Moses to not get in the promised land. And then what we're going to read too. I mean, I'm jumping ahead. Aaron dies there too. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking it's almost like a comfort To all of us to say, look, God chooses, God saves. Mm -hmm. And these people miss the rest of walking with God now on earth. Yes. The double blessing is you walk with him now and you live forever with him. Right. And so they missed out on this one, but so did Aaron and Moses. Right. And we know Moses was resurrected because he's at the Mount of Transfiguration talking to Jesus. Right. And so it assures us that even those people who died in their rebellion, all the people who got a little too close to God and Mm -hmm. were burned, They were still God's people. And I think we can be assured that by the signs of God and his presence with them, that they're with him now, but they did not get to be a part of his
0: purpose and plan on earth. Here, yes.
1: So that was an interesting yeah
0: for me. I agree. So now they're wandering around and they're trying to go up through Edom. (laughs) Imagine
1: Moses, though, like trying to get energy to lead these people now. Like God just said, Hey, you did a great job these last eighty years bringing people out, but you're not the guy to take them in. <laughs> Which we see throughout the script. Like, yeah, you're Solomon. You're the guy who's going to build the temple. David, you don't get to build it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's we all have kind of roles and
0: right. We're but doing how stuff. How hard is that to swallow? Like,
1: right. what? Uh, I don't get to yeah. rest in the land of clusters. Yeah, just for like a nice two, three years in my retirement. Come on.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So, so immediate
0: problems. Yeah. So they're going. To the east of the Jordan, like, trying to get up into that land. And they're going into Edom, and Edom is from Esau. Mm -hmm. Like, they're basically brothers. Yeah. Um, These are all Esau's people. Yeah, and and so they treat them, like, the Israelites, Moses. Moses, yeah. Treats them like brothers and goes hey, we want to pass through your land. We're going to stick to your highway. We're not going to eat or go through any of your fields. And if we drink anything, we'll even pay for it. He says it it
1: twice. And he goes, we're uh, Jacob. We're the people of Jacob. Jacob, And God did this great thing in Egypt. And And we just want to get through your land. Brother Esau, Yeah. come on.
0: And the Edomites, the king, was very adamantly, no, you cannot come anywhere near us. Which I kind of get because... They're a huge group of people, yeah. and if you let them into the middle of your territory and they do turn on you, yeah. uh, that's a bummer. It, it,
1: <laughs> it, it plays to uh, Esau. Mm-hmm. Esau, um, Jacob, I've loved Esau, I've hated Esau's, and his descendants live according to their belly, right? Like right. They're doing yeah. what makes sense only in an earthly realm, and so they're saying that would be the stupidest thing right. we could do. You guys look like locusts out there. Mm-hmm. And you say you're not going to, yeah, right. Yeah, right. And you make us totally vulnerable, and all it takes is one people to attack us and then turn you and one of your camps. Yeah, Yeah. no. So they're kind of feeling lost.
0: And so the cool, the interesting thing is God told them not to attack Edom and the Mm Moabites because they're related. Yeah. They're related. Like, just don't attack them like they're part of Abraham's lineage like family matters don't don't attack them and so they don't attack them and they decide to go around which is a long way around to get up into the east like it would have been nice and convenient to just go straight through especially on a highway um yeah and, and so
1: and the old generation continues to die off yeah the cherry on top of this event so we don't know actually how much time is between this. So now mm-hmm. they're moving around, and then Aaron dies. Yes. We just earlier established how important Aaron is. Now he's dead.
0: Now Aaron dies. Now the cool thing, the interesting thing is they go up on a mountain. Of course. And mountain. And he goes up with his son, and he takes the priestly garments off and places them on his son, thereby ordaining his son to take his place as the high priest. Eleazar. Before he dies... Because in order to protect the office of the priest and the clothing, he takes it all off before he dies Because so his death could not contaminate the clothes and the office of the priesthood. Yeah, and
1: the passing of the position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool.
0: And it's done on a mountain.
1: And mm, I wonder, too, like Elijah and Elisha, where they, he goes up and passes without he get, death. He passes the... Prof- the office of prophet without death. Pretty cool. Oh, that
0: is pretty cool. Um, the other Jesus
1: rising from the dead passes the office of the priesthood of all believers without death. Oof. Okay.
0: All right. So the other thing I like is it says Aaron's death is called he's being gathered to his people. I know. That's so cool. And, and the idea that the people that have died before him are all with God.
1: That's what it made me think of. You're gathered okay. to your people. What yeah. people? The only people who have died in rebellion.
0: The people that are with God.
1: And that's the belief we carry. It's God's grace, and we believe it. Mm -hmm. We are the people of God. But I've acted like a naughty person. Um, But you're still God's people. I'm sorry, I said naughty. I'm still thinking about Santa Claus. Um, (laughs) Gathered to my people. I love it. I wonder if that's what I should put on my tombstone. Yes. I shall be gathered to my people. But uh, so... There it is.
0: Yeah, and then uh, then we get real quick the first three verses in twenty one. They're moving up into the Canaanite region, and there's a king, the king of Arad, uh, who sees them and like goes and he attacks like the because again it's two million people. They're traveling in large camps, and they're kind of spread out, and so he comes in and raids like the back and yeah. like kind of takes off some of, the, some of them and takes away a bunch of them captive. And so then the people, this is where they're different a little bit. The next
1: generation's a little more uh,
0: they, precocious. They turn to God and say, if you will indeed give us this people, the king of Arad, into our hands, then we will devote their cities to destruction, mm-hmm. which means we will devote their land to you.
1: Which is a big deal because they're saying we're not going to take any of the things we deserve yeah. by the, the laws of war.
0: Right. We're going to give it all up to you. So they go, and God heeds them and gives them victory. They get their people back. They wipe out that king and that land. And they and basically, again, like the idea of devoting a city to destruction is they're allowing the land to rest. Yeah.
1: And all those people worship false gods. Mm-hmm. Their gods did not protect them. They were, everything they owned was dedicated to those gods. And God says... I'm greater than that God. Yeah. And they're already devoted. They already are dead. Yep. Well, the the last thought I had Mm -hmm. on this chapter 21, 1 through 3, was just how we are surrounded, being surrounded by death, the God of life promises to protect and fight for his prized possession. Nice. And then God is faithful and hears our prayers. That's what I see in that. So you and I and all the people of God are his prized possession. He hears your prayers, so don't stop asking. Mm -hmm. Even the Israelites in the desert, the place of death, were able to cry out to God and he would hear them. So Mm -hmm. how much more will he hear you in your cubicle or your car today where you're overwhelmed by death or the threat of it? Mm -hmm. Sweet. (laughs) Numbers. Let's move on to our New Testament reading Mm -hmm. today.
0: New Testament reading is Luke, chapter 5, verse 17, through chapter 6, verse 11. I like that. That's a Fed by Raven special. (laughs) Um, So, Luke. So, So, we had Jesus calling his first disciples. He is showing his authority over... Uh, sickness and death and the demonic. Mm. And now he's teaching in his house or in someone's house, probably <laughs> was, Peter's. Yeah. And we have a story where these men who have a friend or just know a guy who's paralyzed. But this one
1: just says it was men who kind of knew a guy. Other accounts yeah. say that it was like friends of the guy.
0: Yeah, uh, And they... They bring this man who's paralyzed and they try to get him into the front door to see Jesus because they're like, man, he's got it. Jesus can heal him. Yeah. And they can't get in because there's such a crowd around the house. And so they go up to the roof. And this is where you start to, at, I think, I start to understand that it's either it's Peter or it's uh, the sons of Zebedee's place because yeah. the roof had tiles which was kind of like rich Roman Mm -hmm. stuff. And so you start to realize like Simon and James and John probably had some money with their fishing business. And so they had like a wealthier house because other houses had thatched roofs. right? Um, But they had tiles and they take the tiles off. They basically vandalize a house to get this man in front of Jesus in any way they can. Like they're going to tear this house apart just to get their friend to Jesus.
1: And that's one of my favorite. Um, I have little phrases over the years from preaching. And one of them I like personally is you do whatever you have to do to get to Jesus. Yeah. Like, I don't care. It's hard. I don't I do not be- do whatever you have to do to get to Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And these guys didn't know. I mean, uh, the passage before ends with um, the reports about Jesus. were starting to gather great crowds right. because he. they wanted to hear him and they wanted to be healed by him. And so at a a very base instinct is, man, we'll do whatever we got to do to get you to Jesus. Right. Because Jesus heals. And so Jesus does something a little bit shocking, though. He sees this happening. Everyone's probably like, these guys, what are they doing? And Jesus says, man, your sins are forgiven you. I mean, he says a shocking thing. It's still just as shocking when I say to somebody, your sins are forgiven the first mm-hmm. thing that goes through your mind, or at least if someone says it to me, is like, I don't know if I've really told you everything. Right? Are you sure? Do mm-hmm. you have the power to do that? And we say it in Jesus' name. Jesus just says it because he yes. has the power and authority to say it.
0: And I think it is kind of a, a great statement after you just destroyed someone's house. Yes, good point. This <laughs> is a very, like, on a, on a because I think we always love to take it straight to, like, the spiritual. most spiritual yeah, no, level you're right. ever.
1: And all prophecy does have an immediate yes. and an eternal but meaning.
0: But they just destroyed a house to get oh, into this. Good call. Get, and, and Jesus says, the first thing is, I forgive you. I forgive you. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and then everyone else, though, all the we, Pharisees. We cut
1: the line, too. You yeah,
0: know? like, all the other Pharisees are are taking it, though, to the most spiritual level yes. and going, who speaks such blasphemy? Who can forgive but God alone? I know. So this is a, a good a good way, because people will try to say, like, Jesus wasn't God or never claimed to be yeah, God, but no. he just forgave sins yes. in a very authoritative way in front of a Jewish audience who knows and believes only God can forgive. Right. Uh, and,
1: and they're still practicing the temple
0: yeah. worship. Yeah. So
1: forgiveness is a very intricate ordeal where you, you go take to your, the temple yeah, for that yeah you go to the temple for that that's where god is god uh-huh. can't be in this house right now right. offering forgiveness right but jesus is moving that mountain yes and he says uh he knows what they're thinking and i used to wonder jesus knows the thoughts of people but now i realize reading the story you can know the thoughts of people very easily in your human state oh yeah so he knows he's dealing with pharisees and as soon as he says something it's shocking i mean it would be like um I don't know, today. If I like a policeman has authority to say "stop" in the name of the law, mm-hmm. or "hands up," mm-hmm. and you'll do it. But if I just say "put your hands up," put your hands in the air right now, and I don't have a gun, mm-hmm. you might go, "Why would I do that?"
0: Right. You're Who t- are you? Yeah, and so it's easy to kind of predict. But and so I know you're asking that. Yes.
1: And so Jesus knows. Oh, these guys are wondering how how I can do such a thing, and so He calls it. He just says, "Why do you question in your hearts? Which is e- which is easier to say?" And this is. Um, a beautiful, I think, a beautiful teaching on how miracles and forgiveness work together. Like mm-hmm. what the message of Jesus and the power of Jesus all working together. And he says, "Which is easier, to say I forgive your sins, or to say get up and walk?" Mm-hmm. And really, um, you're in a you're in a, a bit of a bind trying to answer that question right. because a miracle is impossible. But we also know you cannot say you are God and just forgive somebody their sins. Right. And that's Jesus's point. It's like my miracles actually show who I am. Yeah. The main thing I'm doing is forgiving sins because Mm -hmm. that is healing you eternally. Mm -hmm. The picking up the mat is just an appetizer. Right. It's like a little calamari. It's like a little nacho. (laughs) It's nothing big. It's like, you guys want a little appetizer? Okay. Get up and walk. Right. But what I'm really doing is allowing you to walk and live forever in the presence of God Almighty. And the forgiveness of your sins. You are forgiven. (sighs) I know. And so um, he, of course, heals him. And the guy goes up and, of course, glorifies God. And amazement sees them all. And they glorify God and were filled with awe. And everyone now knows, okay, he's not just a great teacher. He speaks with authority. And he has the works that back it up. And, again, we focus on the appetizers. But the real meal is he can forgive sins.
0: Yeah. That's the hard one. And that's the one that is making the Pharisees and the Sadducees go, do a double take. Well, and then uh, Luke kind
1: of carries the narrative into, then he calls a great sinner. Yeah. He just decides to change a guy who was a tax collector, Levi. Levi. Matthew. Which is so great. He So I think we've said, I don't know if we've said it, actually. Tax collectors, Jewish guys who mm-hmm. jumped... They saw the, um, the economic curve coming. They were some of the smart guys to go, oh, let me work with Rome. Mm-hmm. And I'll go around collecting taxes for Rome from my brothers and sisters because yeah. Rome knows I have the connections and I know who has the money and where it is. And Rome gives me the authority to, to scrape a little off the top. As long as they get theirs, I'm yep. allowed and have authority to steal what I want. So they're known not only um, sinners – like, they're stealing from their brothers and sisters Israel. Right. But they're also
0: um, I mean, just they're, bad. They're like, working they're with... Insurrectionists, yeah. Well, yeah, and they're working with Rome, and they're handling the coins, which have the has each, Caesar yeah. on it, and it, it is very close to, like, idolatry at what they're doing.
1: And so he calls him to be one of his followers. Yeah. And again, flipping it, usually those guys are wanting to be a disciple of a rabbi. He says, I'm calling this guy. And everyone says, what? First thing Ma- Matthew or... Levi does is throw a party with all of his sinner friends
0: because mm-hmm.
1: all he knows is other tax collectors and guys who are living off the fat of organized crime.
0: And it is interesting. <laughs> Luke is very, he's pointing out like the things that some of these disciples have walked away from. So yes. Simon, Andrew, James, and John walk away from probably a pretty sizable fishing enter- enterprise. Drop everything. Some follow gated, Jesus. We're talking
1: some gated communities and SUVs. Yeah. They walked away from.
0: And then Levi has a very lucrative business, and he he leaves everything and follows. Yeah. He walks away from his post of tax collector and just goes and, hand, and then goes with Jesus. And he
1: sees something better and throws
0: Jesus. a party. Uses it's great
1: and then jesus attends the party and they all say why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners mm-hmm. and this is where the great line i think another core phrase of the ministry of jesus those who are well have no need of a physician
0: mm-hmm.
1: but those who are sick i have not come to call the righteous but sinners to repentance I love it. so it's like if you don't think you're sick then you won't like me mm-hmm. if you recognize the death that lingers in your breath and mind and bones then you will call out to me. Right. Wow. And then they say, okay, all right. We noticed that John's disciples, the disciples of the Pharisees, they all fast and pray. Right. But your disciples are partying with other sinners. You're eating and drinking. Mm -hmm. I don't know what our our friends who don't allow themselves to drink alcohol say about that. Um, They're eating and drinking. (laughs) And then Jesus says, look, at a wedding... Can you make wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? So he's comparing a wedding to his appearance, which we know it really was. Like if if Jesus were here now in his human nature for three years only, we do whatever we can to get around him, to party with him. We eat. If he's not sad, we're not sad. Right. And so then he he pulls out the old um, parable of the old wineskin and the new wineskin, and you Mm -hmm. can't patch together things because the wineskin has to— Age properly and expand and so and
0: all that. It was interesting reading it this time, this version of the narrative, and hearing it as the old is the Pharisees' law and like what they're trying to accomplish with their mm-hmm. uh, Second Temple Judaism and their their high value on purity yeah. and and Jesus' new like like our fulfillment of that and going like, no, there's a new thing. There's a new era and we can't use the same stuff. And like, and I know that the people who have tasted of the old are going to prefer it, but the, but I'm offering something new and we got, we got to throw out all that old stuff and we can't just patch it on.
1: It is. a, f- And to the Pharisees, it's offensive because you're right. The second temple, they're saying, look, our problem has been, we haven't been pure enough. Mm-hmm. We, we need to buckle down and really, what are you doing?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're going against what we are about. Like it's right. more offensive than it sounds to our minds. Right. Um, you can't party. It's like we have work to do, yeah. and someone's just sitting around drinking and eating. And we're like, Are you here to help or not? Right. Is essentially, and Jesus says, Look, um, the old no one no one after tasting of this says the old is great. Mm-hmm you taste of Jesus, you're like, "Whoa, this is way better." Mm-hmm. And it's not that the old was ever bad. No, like it's God's law, but it's been corrupted. There's... We had turned it into something else
0: mm-hmm.
1: and missed and missed um, the good. And Jesus is is saying, "Now we can actually enjoy it, and you won't want." Once you taste this, you won't want the old. Mm-hmm. And then goes into the idea of Sabbath.
0: Yeah. So, I, I this is a great little thing, but it's always just. Jesus and his disciples are walking around, they walk through a field, there's some grain, they're hungry, they're just going to grab some grain and eat. And and to the Pharisees who have broken everything down onto what you can and can't do on the Sabbath, this was breaking the Sabbath. Like, you just worked, you just prepared grain even by rolling it up in your hands. Which is not,
1: the command of God is take a day and worship yeah. The word of God. Center your life around the words and of rest. God. And rest. And now Jesus is the word of God, made yeah. flesh and dwelt among us. So we're, you're centering your life around Jesus. If he picks some grain, that's not work. You're around the word <laughs> of God. And that's what Jesus says plainly here. He says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath.
0: Yes. Which... Like it's for man. And... <laughs> Which so there's a couple things I uh, like one it's again it's another statement of Jesus is God because how can you claim to be the Lord of something if you didn't make it? It's
1: and, a divine statement through a human his human nature yeah which is confusing for
0: people saying the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. Right. So therefore, I am God, I created the Sabbath, I'm the Lord of it and I get to decide how it's used. And you guys always focused on the negative aspect of the law right but i'm here to flip it and show you the positive aspects the sabbath day was simply for you to rest because you need it
1: and, and humanity isn't ever really motivated by negative the negative
0: like yeah I'm people f-
1: stay in the negative but when you positive, it you know you can do a lot of things like oh i know if i save money or if i eat right i'll lose weight i'll make money i'll di-. like the positive is what moves us yeah And so I think that's why Jesus, yeah. And Jesus says, you know, is the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, is it lawful for us to save a life right, or harm? Like, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to Mm -hmm. save life or destroy it? And so he finds a guy with a withered hand. So many struggling people and shriveled hand people around Jesus, you know, Mm -hmm. because again, they realize I have, I got to find a way to get to Jesus. That's all I know in my life. Right. I have no hope otherwise. So then Jesus does the thing he has authority and power to do as God.
0: Yeah. Which is to restore. <laughs> he restores on the Sabbath, which is what the Sabbath was made for, to be restorative.
1: And I just wonder how these guys look at a withered hand that is restored. They didn't the account isn't what that's amazing. They're always upset like he still he did it. Like are they getting so used to the miracles? That they can't just appreciate it?
0: No, yeah. Now they're using it as evidence against him. Yeah.
1: I, you know what? Oh, At first man. that sounds crazy, but then I think about it. I get pretty used to miracles and blessings. Mm-hmm. And then use it against God too. God, I want more. I need more money. Mm-hmm. I need more comfort. I need a better, better, better. So I, I, after all this, I just realized, you know, the Sabbath is the time to show mercy. And we can show mercy and care for others with confidence. And um, we do it in Jesus' name. Man, Luke, thank you, Luke, for recording this.
0: All right, so our psalm for today, I'm going to continue on with Psalm 37 because I can't help myself. So Psalm 37, verse 10 through 20. In just a little while, the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place, he will not be there. But the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace. The wicked plots against the righteous and gnashes his teeth at him. But the Lord laughs at the wicked for he sees that his day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend their bows to bring down the poor and needy, to slay those whose way is upright. Their sword shall enter into their own heart and their bows shall be broken. Better is the little that the righteous has than the abundance of many wicked. For the arms of the wicked shall be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The Lord knows the days of the blameless, and their heritage will remain forever. They are not put to shame in evil times. In the days of famine they have abundance, but the wicked will perish. The enemies of the Lord are like the glory of the pastures. They vanish, like smoke they vanish away.
1: Boom. You've just been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.